One of the main things we talked about today is body-worn cameras on Winnipeg police officers. People are once again calling for this as the Independent Investigation Unit is looking at three officer-involved shootings over the last month. Mixed feelings over Manitoba's gas tax holiday. We spoke to somebody who says that that money could pay for free transit for Winnipeg, Brandon, Selkirk, Thompson, and Flin Flon for two years. Ever heard of skijoring? We just learned what it was yesterday, so that got us asking you the question today. What's a thing you didn't know was a thing? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back tomorrow. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Wednesday, January 3rd podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry, McNabb taking another day off today, and before we discuss anything else, I know you were at the game last night, Greg, and I know we've got the sounds of the game coming up at 6.15, so we'll get more into it there, but for a brief moment, the Winnipeg Jets were in first place in the Western Conference last night. They were, and uh, stayed up late enough to uh, have the Colorado (laughs) Avalanche slip ahead of them uh, in the standings, but the Jets do find themselves all alone in fifth place in the National Hockey League this morning. And uh, let me tell you, this is, uh, people are using the terminology, they are a wagon. They are on fire right now. Uh, The Edmonton Oilers, maybe the only team that could claim to be as hot as the Winnipeg Jets in the National Hockey League right now. The Jets have not lost in regulation time since I think December 12th versus the San Jose Sharks, who they play tomorrow night in San Jose in that West Side Story game. A like wagon? A, a wagon. That's this 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 is what the kids are calling it, Brett. The <laughs> Jets are a wagon. <laughs> All right. Yep. So <laughs> climb aboard the wagon if you if you if you haven't been on the bandwagon, time to jump on. The atmosphere in the building again, uh electric last night. Not quite a sellout, but uh over fourteen thousand in attendance downtown rink last night. <laughs> I just Googled wagon slang, and there are some things that I can't repeat on the air. I'm sure not. But uh, I found a Reddit page. What does it mean for a team to be referred to as a wagon? I was just told that's a hockey term, and I've never heard it. This post from like five years ago. (laughs) Okay. And uh, there's one person that says it means they are rolling. They are rolling. To clarify, the team is hot. They have a stud roster. They're shooing for the playoffs. A wagon is any combination of those things. Anyway, all right. Well, there's a, a wagon. There's a thing I didn't know was a thing. Now, now, now you know it's a thing. And that's actually what we're going to be talking about at 645. Things we didn't know that were a thing. And by the way, like I said, sounds of the game at 615. Leah Hextall joins us at 835. And of course, we've got our Wednesday Paul Edmonds commentary at 755. But things we didn't know were a thing. That's what we're discussing at 645 because yesterday as we were discussing the fact that Winter activities that many people enjoy are being delayed or being postponed just due to the lack of snow. And one of our listeners, I believe it was a listener named Jill, who referred to something that I certainly had never heard of. Mm. Can't speak for you. Ski-joring. Ski-joring or skiering is a sport you might not be familiar with. It combines the danger of skiing with the danger of horse racing. <laughs> Hold on. Horse racing? No, no, no. Uh, in these parts, it, it combines dogs 
your love affair with your uh, larger dog. So we'll learn a little bit more about that and some of the other winter sports that you can participate in with your with your with your fur buddy, with your fur baby, your best friend, perhaps your four legged pal. <laughs> All right, so we'll talk about the things you didn't know were a thing at 6.45. At 7.35, we'll check in with Snow Motion to learn more about these winter activities that you maybe did not know existed. And then at 9.35, I mean, we'll, we'll tee this up a little bit further at 7.05. Just want to continue the discussion on the Manitoba gas tax holiday because there are mixed feelings abound on this. And uh, that's even reflected in our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. We asked you yesterday morning, how are you feeling about the removal of the gas tax? 22% say it's a huge help. 47% say it's a nice break. 5% say I don't drive. But 26% said not needed. Too much lost government revenue. I know it's not a scientific poll, but that that... Surprised me to see that particular option get a quarter of the vote. Well, especially in a poll like that, right? Where typically we get, in my opinion, in my view, and once again, that's not scientific, but based on uh, keeping an eye on the question of the day for about uh, 13 years now, this is uh, typically some something that people go to when they, they want to uh, you know express their delight or disdain for something. Not usually... Not usually kind of a middle of the road answer like that, that that it's not needed. So uh, that that is that is a surprising number for me as well, Brett. But at nine thirty five, we are going to speak to somebody who was heated up on the socials yesterday on X on Twitter, whatever you want to call it, uh, with offering sort of alternative thoughts. And this is why we like speaking to this guest. Brent Bellamy is his name, because whether you agree with him or not, he always finds a way to push that thought provoker button makes you stop and think about things that you maybe hadn't thought of and it helps to first I've learned a lot from him of how to open your mind on how a city could run how a city maybe should run what are we not doing what could we be doing better and with this he makes some really compelling points on what we could be doing with that money instead yeah so we'll have that discussion and that's that's our job here right that's for us to have the uh, conversations that, that maybe others aren't having. They bring you the conversations you might not be aware of otherwise. And uh, let's just discuss it. Let's uh, let's put it out on the table. Uh, you might not agree. Uh, we want to hear from you. Always. 204-780-6868. You went to the game last night, by the way. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good. I don't know if I'd be feeling as as fine had they lost last night, you know, a, a win goes a long way yeah. in allowing uh, me to get out of bed a little bit easier. Well, that, that two forty five alarm was a little early this morning, considering <laughs> I know I saw 11 o'clock uh, quite easily last night. I, was, I had to do some Ubering after the game last Come night. On. One of the boys was out uh, watching that. Uh, what's, what is that uh, series that he's watching right now? It's like the Harry Potter thing. You mentioned it. What, Percy Jackson and the Perci- Olympians? Yes, Percy Jackson. On Disney Plus? On Disney Plus. It comes out at 9 o'clock, I think, our time, or 8 o'clock on Tuesday night. Yeah. So he wanted to be at his friend's last night to watch that. Oh. It was a third, he was, he was uh, lamenting the fact it was only 33 minutes yesterday. <laughs> Usually they're 38 or 39 minutes, Dad. <laughs> he said it was kind of a boring episode, but they were, he figures they were setting up the next one. 
Okay. That's got rave views, has it not, Brett? I think it's, I haven't fully checked. I've been curious about that one because I, I enjoyed the first movie that came out some 10, 15 years ago. And I know it's based on a wildly popular series of books for young people. So I've been meaning to check that out. So he I've says, got a good review from your boy. Yeah. Brendan says he insists if they had made that movie even better than it was, that it would have surpassed Harry Potter. That's how strongly he feels about that book series. Oh. He says the books are better than the Harry Potter books. <laughs> I can't speak to that, but they, he's three laying down a serious gauntlet uh, there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. We are, in our next segment, going to tell you how you can win tickets for the Winnipeg Renovation Show happening at RBC Convention Center January 12th to the 14th. And it has to do with the things you didn't know were things. Like, had you ever heard of ski-joring? We hadn't until yesterday, courtesy of one of our listeners. So we're actually going to learn more about that at 7.35. But up next in our next segment, what's something else that you didn't know was a thing? Like the term... They're a wagon. Uh, that's the first. Today is the first time I heard that. I'm glad I brought that to you. Yeah, and I'm glad you were able to find so quickly a concise definition of really, you know, what it means. Five years, I can tell you that I've not heard that tar- terminology until maybe six months ago, as it pertains to a sports team. So the fact that it's been around and people have been asking that question for five years, <laughs> that's shocking to me. Also, I found a Reddit. If you're just tuning in, I found this Reddit thread. With somebody asking, what does it mean to refer to a sports team as a wagon? I just heard it was a hockey thing, but I don't know. Uh, so, when we'll have, speaking of hockey, we'll have more on the Jets at 7.55. We've got our Wednesday Jets commentary. And then Leah Hextall joins us at 8.35 for our weekly Wednesday Jets chat. Right now, we want to expand on what Sarah McCarthy has been telling you in Global News this morning. And that has to do with the Independent Investigation Unit of Manitoba overseeing another fatal officer-involved shooting in Winnipeg. And as Global's Marnie Blunt tells us, the family of the victim in the most recent case... It's now searching for answers. It's the scene of the third officer-involved shooting in Winnipeg in recent weeks. Winnipeg police called to this apartment building on University Crescent Sunday for report of an armed man acting erratically. Our officers moments later were involved in a use-of-force encounter that resulted in the male being shot by one of our officers. Jean-René Dominique Quilou, a lawyer for the family, has identified the man as 19-year-old Ophelabi Stephen Opasso, who was taken to hospital in critical condition but died from his injuries. He says Ophelabi was an international student from Nigeria, studying economics at the University of Manitoba. It's just devastated because, you know, they sent their son here uh, to study and now is, you know, is returning returning home in a coffin. He also says now the family, still in Nigeria, wants answers. Our concern, the family concerns, is uh, first of all how a call for, you know, for uh, for mental health uh, situation, mental crisis, will end up with a, you know, death sentence. This just days after another officer-involved shooting occurred at a Furby Street apartment building, police fatally shooting a suspect after an hours-long standoff involving hostages. Very different events, very different uh, circumstances on, on both of them. Another officer-involved shooting in late November, when police shot a man who tried to flee a traffic stop and pinned an officer with a vehicle. The National Police Federation says use of force is always a last resort. 0.001% 
of all public interactions with police do not involve any force whatsoever. And body-worn cameras could help in officer-involved investigations. It really justifies the actions that we take. So, you know, the public or the, the investigators or the courts, whoever it may be, can, can see exactly why um, police did what they did, because what we do is often in a, in a fraction of a moment. But experts say if body-worn cameras are introduced in Manitoba, there needs to be public input on how they're used. It should be the public who gets to decide and define what police accountability means and what transparency means. And from these definitions, these should then be coded into the policy in the way that the devices are rolled out. Manitoba's police watchdog is investigating the three officer-involved shootings in Winnipeg that happened towards the end of 2023. But overall, those numbers are down from the year prior. In 2022, there were six officer-involved shootings in Winnipeg. Three of those were fatal. Marty Blunt, Global News. And our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. Should Winnipeg police be required to wear body cameras? 81% have voted yes so far and 19% say no. So the long-term cost of storage, the storage of these digital images long-term that would be required to save the hours upon hours of footage seems to be the major stumbling block in making these cameras a reality for the Winnipeg Police Service amongst other concerns about uh, privacy and how the, how the footage may be used. But it, it seems to be the cost. The cameras are inexpensive. It's the storage that costs a ton of money. And you heard from Christopher Schneider in Marnie's story. You're, her, you're hearing uh, from Christopher Schneider, professor of sociology at Brandon University and Sarah McCarthy's News this morning as well. And he says it's only a matter of time that body-worn cameras become a reality for police in our city. So there will never be absolute accountability or transparency. It can never be achieved. Uh, however, clear understandings of these terms as defined by the public and in the interests of the public should inform any body-worn camera program. So essentially, when the camera devices come, and they will to Winnipeg, it should be the public who, uh, in town hall meetings, get to define what they mean by accountability and transparency, and the public who get to inform the development of the policy in relation to how the cameras will operate. I think that is a basic first and very important step to restoring trust uh, in the police service, not only in Winnipeg, but across the country. However, in, in uh, jurisdictions where we've seen body-worn cameras roll out, um, Toronto and Vancouver notably, uh, that is not the case, right? So with the, the Vancouver, I've been paying attention to their pilot project, which just started this month. Uh, they, the guidelines for that pilot project were created in advance, right, of, of the body-worn cameras being rolled out. And the VPD did have town hall meetings, digital town hall meetings, where people could zoom in. However, the cameras were blocked off in terms of the people who were zooming in, as were the audio. They could email questions, that is, the public in advance, but the policies and how the cameras are being rolled out was determined by the VPD. That does, in my opinion, very little to restore public trust in the police. So if the, if the public had a, um, a vested uh, interest in defining these things, that, I think, would, would help to better restore trust in the Winnipeg Police Service. Christopher Schneider, professor of sociology at Brandon University, joined Richard and Julie on the news yesterday at 4.37. You can hear the entire eight-and-a-half-minute conversation in the audio vault at CGOB.
Sportsbook.com. We're hoping to have more on this throughout the morning on 680 CJOB. We can tell you that uh, Justice Minister Matt Weeb issued a brief statement yesterday afternoon on this, saying our government's priority is to make sure that every Manitoban is safe and treated fairly by the justice system. Body-worn cameras can be part of that equation to increase transparency, to protect everyone involved in police interactions. As they are implemented by police services across Manitoba, we are ready to help ensure that costs and processes associated evidence disclosure and privacy are supported. But Greg, I want to thank you for making that point about the storage cost. It's something I hadn't thought of, but anybody who has a cell phone with a Google account or an Apple account probably understands like I'm out of storage. I'm out of free storage. So now every picture I take doesn't get backed up unless I pay more or I go in and I delete stuff. But they can't be deleting things to make more room in this particular instance. So, yeah, it would cost a fortune to store all of that. Yeah, they're going to want their own servers and everything secure, not uh, uploading them to the cloud. This is going to be uh, that, that's going to be a big part of this discussion. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. Coming up at 7.35, we are going to continue the discussion on winter activities that are being impacted by the lack of snow, including something one of our listeners introduced us to yesterday, which is ski-joring. Didn't know what that was. It's the act of being pulled either by a dog or a horse on skis. Sounds fun. So we'll learn more about that. But I didn't know it was a thing. and We want to know what's something... You didn't know was a thing, whether it's an activity or food or it could be terminology like we just had this happen this morning. Greg referenced how his kids were referring to the Winnipeg Jets as being a wagon. Means the team's rolling. Never heard this term. Actually, I should ask Cam Poitras, the co-host of Jets at Noon. Were you familiar with that term? Uh, Yes, I was. I was familiar with that term. All right. Um, But only for like the last year and a half. Okay. Have you ever described the Winnipeg Jets as a wagon? Never. No. I saw Skylar Peters, uh, he posted something on Facebook that the Canucks, I think he posted this uh, last night, that uh, they're a wagon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, he's a lot more hip than I am. Yeah. You know, I'm an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> so 204-780-6868 for a chance to win tickets for the Winnipeg Renovation Show at the RBC Convention Center, which is happening next weekend. We'll pick our winner at 9.15. But Sarah McCarthy, why don't we start with you? Sure. So mine is a Manitoba-made thing. And no, it's not Honey Dill. I did know about Honey Dill before moving here somehow. But mine are garbage mitts. I, like, the term garbage mitts, I was like, what? And then I got a pair, and I'm like, okay, these are, like, the best mitts ever. They actually (laughs) are. They They actually are. are. No, they keep your hands so warm, and, like, the wristband, how it's, like, it makes so much sense. All mitts should be made like this, and uh, didn't know that was a thing. And now when I say, gotta grab my garbage mitts, people are like, what? Like, (laughs) in my hometown, what? What do you mean, garbage? To take out the garbage? And I'm still, (sighs) brief me if you know, but, like, what constitutes them as garbage mitts? I'm still not sure. Well, Why are they called They're that? made in Winnipeg, Raber yeah. Manufacturing, mm-hmm. and I suspect that the garbage men in Winnipeg Wear them. wore okay. them once upon a time. They were sort of company issues, so to speak. Okay. And so, yeah, and the distinctive, mm-hmm. uh, the red stitching around the cuff 
That's how you knew they were legitimate, genuine mm-hmm. garbage mitts back in the day. They've got a whole bunch of different styles now, though. Yeah, so yeah. I love them. and gloves. And- yeah, I'm just looking at UN Luggage's website, and yeah, they've got some nice black ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can't go wrong. I do need some new mitts. Nothing maybe. like the sound of uh, two garbage mitts slapping again, oh. against each other outside the house <laughs> yes. league hockey bar- back in the day. A bomber bar- <laughs> game, oh yeah. In, in October. Distinctive sound. Totally. Forte and Master Control, what about you? When I was in high school, we took a trip to Chicago. And at that time, I was working at a pizza place. When we went to Chicago, I had no idea that Chicago deep dish, it's, uh, well, you have the dough, you have the cheese, the toppings, and the sauce is on top. I had no idea. It, like, blew my mind. So I was like, gotta have it. Had it. And, uh, you know, it's 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 quite good. I like it. And something else I didn't know about Chicago until I think it was like a year or two ago, and we were talking about it on the show. That's like a sin to put ketchup on a hot dog. That's correct. Totally. <laughs> so I, I didn't know that either. So, you know, all this food you from like Chicago style pizza? It's Deep pretty dish good. pizza. Most Chicagoans don't like. They it. don't like it. No, it's, it's a, a it's pan, terrible pan. It's like a bar style pizza. Is like the Chicago. They call deep dish sort of the tourist pizza. Um, they're very. It's very similar to sort of a Manitoba style sort of uh, gondola with the squares. That's sort of the big, big popular pizza in Chicago. I've never had deep dish before. I've only ever had the. Don't. I had it in Calgary. It's 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 a lot. It's a it's lot. A lot. And I and I did. Have, I've had. Have you ever had Detroit deep dish? I've not. That's a square side with the crusty, with like the crispy crust on the on the corners. Yeah, yeah that's the, pretty good. Yeah, the, the Chicago style is built upon a flaky, thin, deep crust similar to a traditional pie, whereas Detroit relies on a thick and fluffy crust reminiscent of focaccia. <laughs> I've only tried it once. It was in Vegas. Took a long time to make, but it was good. I don't know. And I think they actually do it at that place on Court and uh, Tommy, Tommy's. Tommy's. Yeah, I think Tom, so. Tommy's Pizzeria. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do a Detroit style pizza. Okay, uh, at least they you, at least they did once upon a time. I don't know if they. Still right. do. I could just go for some right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Poitras. Um, old Lang sign. I uh, <laughs> didn't know that that was something you sang uh, on New Year's, right after the clock strikes midnight. Didn't know about that, and you cannot believe the amount of times I heard that song this year. I'd say probably 20 times leading up to it. I watched it. it was on TV. It was literally everywhere on like I had heard that song thousands of times. I had to have. And um it just never clicked and then I realized that it was a song you sing at New Year's and now I heard it I heard it 20 times this year. Why are they singing about Langside Street? Well, you, have to, you have to ask them. Yeah, we, Loren and I last week had so yeah. many questions about that song. Yeah, like, what does this mean? What do these lyrics mean? I have uh, no idea. Yeah, and we because uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we how many of the, we tried to get Clay to sing it. He knew the first line, <laughs> but uh, may what, all acquaintance be forgot. What's something you didn't know was a thing, Greg? Copen Hill. It's Copenhagen's rooftop ski slope. It's on top of a power plant in Copenhagen, Denmark. So imagine, you know, the hill, the West End dump, you know, you know, Garbage Hill. Yes. But imagine that instead it's about four times as high. Mm -hmm. And instead of just burying the garbage or burying the garbage, it's actually a power plant where they burn the garbage. And so it's green energy and you can ski on it. 
You can rock climb on it. You can do a variety of different things. It is the coolest thing, the coolest idea I've ever seen, bar none. My brother sent it to me via Instagram earlier this year, and I want to go to Copenhagen just to see this thing. Yeah, this looks fun. Wow. Yeah, it's about 15, I'm guessing about 15 stories high. The ski run is about 450 meters so, uh, like I said, just imagine Garbage Hill about like three, four times taller <laughs> and uh, functioning a functioning uh, plant to convert garbage into energy. Like, hello. Greg, I see you've just dropped in something from Connie. What does Connie have to say? I got transferred to Regina. Took a client out for lunch. They ordered Vico. With their meal. Some of you might know what that is. Some of you may not. I had no idea that's what people in Saskatchewan call chocolate milk. They refer to it simply by the brand name, Vico. What's wrong with people in Saskatchewan? I don't know, bunny huggers. <laughs> yeah, bunny hug. And Vi- like I've never even heard of this brand, Vico. Yeah, yeah. Is that something you can get here? No. It's a, it's a Sasky thing. All right. Yeah. Weirdos. Uh, so keep those coming. The things that you don't know were things for a chance to win tickets for the Winnipeg Renovation Show. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. As we discussed yesterday, Manitoba drivers, of course, are noticing a few extra dollars in their wallets when they gas up as the new fuel tax holiday has taken effect. Some are welcoming the discount at the pumps, Brett, but climate activists say the money could be put to better use. For many Manitoba motorists, it's been a while since they've seen gas prices dip this low. The provincial fuel tax holiday came into effect on January 1st, giving drivers a discount for the next six months. The NDP promised the tax break during their election campaign. This is a measure that will help them to reduce their cost of living at a difficult time when a lot of Manitobans are facing those affordability challenges. Finance Minister Adrian Sala says the province is able to absorb the 14 cent per litre loss. According to the province's supplement to the 2023-2024 second quarter report, the average one-vehicle household will save $125 over six months. That's about $21 per month. The total cost of the province for the six-month break is $163 million. Full-time courier Brian McCarthy welcomes the discount. So that's $30 savings per day. Uh, and you do the month on that, it's, it's, it's nice. Gabriel Ducharme says it will help with the high cost of living for his family up north. I'm really glad that they're not going to be spending an arm and a leg trying to get all the way to Winnipeg. But some who don't own a vehicle say they likely won't notice a difference. Public transit should be where we shovel around some tax dollars, I think. I mean, a lot of poor people don't even own cars, and if they do, they use them sparingly. Bethany Damon with Manitoba's Climate Action Team says the rebate incentivizes fossil fuel use when it should be discouraged. It's extremely important that we're not pitting climate against affordability because the reality is that any decisions that we're making regarding affordability need to look at the long-term effects of emissions and climate action. She wants to see more funding in areas that would reduce dependence on gas instead of just a six-month break. We absolutely acknowledge that right now systems are not in place for everybody in Manitoba to just cold turkey stop using fossil fuels. But the incredible thing is that solutions exist to do just that. Finance Minister Sala couldn't comment on how Manitobans without a vehicle would see savings from the initiative, but said the province will reassess the holiday at the end of the six-month period. Iris Dick, 
Global News. So we want to point you to our Question of the Day results. Uh, Question of the Day brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. And we asked the question, how are you feeling about the removal of the provincial gasoline tax? Now, 22% of you said uh, it's, it's a huge help. 47% said it's a nice break. 26% said not needed. Too much lost government revenue and 5% who weighed in said that they don't drive. And so they won't see any benefit uh, from the removal of that tax prep. So at 9.35, we're going to be joined by Brent Bellamy on this. He is a columnist. He is an architect with Number 10 Architectural Group. He's a passionate urbanist who loves this city. And yesterday he was... On fire on X, offering all kinds of food for thought, such as, and this is something he I saw him share a couple of months ago. He was just resharing it uh, this week. A six-month hiatus on Manitoba's gas tax will cost the government the same amount of money as offering free public transit in Winnipeg, Brandon, Thompson, Selkirk, and Flin Flon for almost two years. And that one stopped me in my tracks, Greg, to think about the number, like if, why not just take that money and use it in a different way? And then you'd be really helping, you know, whether it's people, a lot of people take the bus, but a lot of people who can't afford to drive take the bus. So they're not seeing any benefit right now out of this. Yeah, I'm open to conversations like that, 100%. He says, since we don't appear to need the revenue from Manitoba's gas tax, if we add a year to the hiatus, we could pay for construction of the transformative downtown phase of Winnipeg's rapid transit network. What do you think of that? You know how I feel about transit. Winnipeg's so far behind the times in terms of transit. It's not a genuine alternative for so many people uh, with regard to its reliability, the vastness or the lack thereof availability uh, throughout all corners of the Winnipeg, uh, of, of the city and the fact that it just doesn't come enough. And when it does come on major routes, quite often the, the buses are full. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's just it 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 needs a complete re- overhaul, and we're supposed to be getting that, but it feels as though that's on pause again. So we're going to join him. He's going to join us at nine thirty-five, and we'll ask him about these things and other things on this. And you can feel free to weigh in on your thoughts on this stuff at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Because yeah, saving some money at the pump—that's great. But could we be using this in a different way? Fun to think about at the very least and fun to discuss. And we always love hearing from Brent because he's got great ideas, whether you agree with him or not. I always find conversations with Brent super, super fascinating. And he's a great follow on social media as well. You can find him on X. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb's off today. Reminder that at 735, we're going to learn more about skijoring. Winter activity maybe you didn't know was a thing. On the subject of winter activities, Fabian with a heads up reminder, letting us know that the Broadway Neighborhood Center hockey rink, the rink is open. Fabian says it's a beautiful ice. Everyone was skating on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. It was closed yesterday due to the weather, but it's open again today from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. So that's from Fabian in West Broadway. But on the subject of things you didn't know were a thing, um, we've just been given yet another reason, Greg, to go to Newfoundland, if you've never been. Chris telling us that Newfoundland serves fries with gravy and stuffing. And when they asked if I wanted it added to my fries, I thought I misheard them. 
it was great. And I have made the mistake of Googling Newfoundland fries with stuffing. And this looks like maybe one of the most delicious things I've ever seen. <laughs> Just throw in a little bit of turkey on there and I'm sold. I'm in. Fries, gravy, stuffing, melt some cheese on there. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's a problem. I like it a lot. I, I, one of the things that I didn't know was a thing. I learned this back at uh, Folklorama a few years ago, many years ago now, at the Belgian Club. And they have something called the Belgian Bowling in their basement. Or I believe it's pronounced uh, Rooly Bully or Roly Bowly. And it's a really cool game. It, it, it was introduced to North America in like the late 19th and early 20th centuries. And uh, so one of the, 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 the ball, so to speak, it's, the, it's a wheel-like shape. So they're manufactured in a way where they, they don't roll straight, but kind of in a curved fashion. They kind of look like uh, curling rocks. You just you throw them on their edge, though. Yeah, and you just roll them. Roll them that way. And then there's a, there's a stick that you have to roll it towards. And it looks like you can, like, based on the walls down at the Belgian Club, there's all kinds of, uh, like, scuff marks on the wall. So I don't know how aggressive they're being with their toss. I've never, like, actually seen it played at, a, at an elite level. I've just I've gone down there a couple of times with a buddy who's a Legion member. But uh, super fun. I'm guessing you can get pretty creative with some of the roles in terms of getting a curve on them and and getting around it. You know, you mentioned you used the curling analogy in terms of the shape of the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you could get some pretty cool uh, path and carve a different path with those with those balls. I I I'm not heard. What's it called again? Roly bully? Yeah, roly bully or roly bully, spelled R O L L L E or. And then B O L L E or oh. cruel bowling, not to be confused with feather bowling, which is another of game out not. of Belgium. I wouldn't want to make that mistake. <laughs> I learned that just this morning. That's uh, called true bowling, I think. So, a couple of unique bowling games out of Belgium. So, that's a thing I didn't know as a thing. But tell us yours for a chance to win tickets for the renovation show. We'll pick a winner at 9 15. <laughs> reminder that we've got tickets for the Winnipeg Renovation Show. We're asking you about things you didn't know were a thing, like Curtis who texted us earlier and had us salivating as we looked up pictures. Uh, He said he went to Newfoundland. They asked him if he wanted stuffing and gravy with his fries, or dressing, as they call it, dressing and gravy with his French fries. He didn't think he heard them properly, but he's like, yeah, sign me up. And he said it was amazing. And when we looked at the pictures, we were like, Starving at 6.30 a.m. Yeah. I had some frozen French fries at home. I have some beef gravy left over from New Year's Eve (laughs) that I've got in the fridge. Now I just maybe some stovetop stuffing and I maybe could have some Newfoundland poutine for lunch today. I triple dog dare you. Done. Homework. It's on. (laughs) It's on like Donkey Kong, (laughs) Reverend Gary. Okay, I can't wait to find out how that works out for you, bud. Uh, But let's talk some hockey here because the Winnipeg Jets began 2024 the same way they wrapped up 2023 with yet another win. And the Jets have not lost in regulation since December 12th of last year, a 2-1 loss in San Jose to the Sharks. Lo and behold, the Jets are on their way to San Jose today to face the Sharks Tomorrow night, Connor Hellebuck put on exclamation mark on his selection as the league's third star in December with his performance last night. Leah Hextall, ESPN commentator and analyst, joining us 
this morning. Good morning, Leah. Happy New Year. Good morning to you both and Happy New Year, boys. I'm not outside your uh, Happy New Year window? No, I'm one of those girls who's just going to annoy everybody because I'm saying Happy New Year until the end of the month. So <laughs> I'm, that, I'm that girl. So All right. there you go. Good, good. I like I like your window. It's, it's, it's broad. It's good. It's vast. Hey, have you ever tried skijoring? Uh, like out in the Brandon Hills or something like that once upon a time? I have not, but I have definitely heard of it. And I would be game. I would be game to try it. All right. I think we might yep. have a, another challenge on our hands here, Nextall. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting so, old. I don't know if that's a smart idea. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I know somebody who does it. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll keep an eye on your travel schedule. Uh, let's talk Connor Hellebuck. I think yes. uh, Jets fans understand the value of Connor Hellebuck, the goaltender, what he does for the team and how he performs versus uh, the rest of the league and, and just what a star he is in terms of performance in the Jets. That How important was it that his contract was signed at the start of the season? I, let's pretend for a moment that he eventually, you know, wanted to sign with the Jets anyway. How important was it that they did it earlier as opposed to letting it hang around through this year? Greg, I think it's massive. I mean, if you think about it, what if he wasn't locked up right now? What would we all be thinking? What kind of distraction would that be for the Winnipeg Jets with the way he's playing? And I don't think we can look past the fact that they got that deal done and that they have Connor Hellebuck in net for the next seven years. Now, here's the thing. You know, I hate to start the new year by disagreeing with you, Greg, but this is what we do, right? I don't know if we actually appreciate Connor Hellebuck as much as we should. And and I'm just, I know people are saying, we know he's one of the best. We know he's a Vesna winner, but I don't know if we really give enough credit. And I think that's because we're hockey fans. I don't think that hockey fans in general give enough credit to the position of goaltender. If you have a goalie, you have a chance. It is the most important position in hockey. If you do not have a goaltender, you do not win. You are not a contender. And we have been graced with Connor Halibut now for several years at a level in which he is a Vesna contender every year. That is extremely special. Look what's going on in the NHL right now. You have teams such as Edmonton, Toronto, New Jersey, who are supposed to be doing this season what the Winnipeg Jets are. Why are they not doing that? They don't have a goaltender. Edmonton has Campbell down in the AHL. Toronto has sent Samsonov down, and he's been through waivers. And New Jersey just doesn't even know what to do right now with our goaltending situation. And Tom Fitzgerald, their general manager, who was interested in Connor Halbeck in the offseason because he wasn't sure if he was going to get signed up in Winnipeg, does not have that option now. And he's looking for a goaltender with only about a million dollars, million plus to play with. These teams are struggling because they do not have that position. And the Winnipeg Jets do. They have it in spades. And with it, there's really no stopping them at this point, considering what they're doing. But Connor Hallebuck, he is the key to everything on this team. Now, Leah, the streak of giving up three goals or less now at 26 games. Just how impressive is this streak? Uh, let's just put that into a little bit of context right here. When you think about it, the last time the Jets allowed more than three goals was two months ago. The NHL, if you want to see it, they tweeted out this great graphic showcasing the most consecutive games allowing three goals or fewer in NHL history. But to take that another step forward, in the past decade, only two other teams have been as stingy as these Jets right now. That's Minnesota, 35 games in 2015, and Columbus with 25 games in 2020. The Jets, 
They've also held their opponents to three or fewer goals in 32 of the 36 games they've played this season. That leads the NHL. What does that do? It translates into wins. Winnipeg has now won 23 of those games. Now, not only have they been strong defensively with those 26 games that we're talking about, they have the best five-on-five goal differential in the league. In the league. So what that 26 games or three or fewer goals says to me, you guys, is that we finally have an identity. The Jets finally have an identity. And I don't know about you guys, but I remember questioning what that was last year. I did not know who this team was. Well, it all comes down to their ID right now, which is a team game. It's a team game without the puck. It's always consistent. It's got the talent to score when they need them to. And every line looks the same because everyone is committed to playing that team game. You know, Bonus said it last night in his postgame comments, when they're committed to Winnipeg Jets hockey, which is the ID, which is a team game that I just spoke of, there's not a team in the league that this Jets team can't beat. And I agree with him. He is 100% right. There is not a team in this league right now that the Winnipeg Jets, if they play to their identity, cannot beat. And I'm shocked I'm able to say that. Yeah, well, I think you're not alone in in being surprised by that, Leah, because, you know, for as important as the signings of Hellebuck and Shifley were, you know, you see Nemestikov come in, you see, mm-hmm. you know, Nita Ryder and some of the other, uh, you know, Cole Perfetti maturing. Uh, they really could go on and on about the, the changes, how different this team is from last year, but uh, can we compare the Jets to another team that maybe surprised people last year, the Seattle Kraken? And they're, I think they're on a seven game or a five game heater themselves right now. So they're starting to find their game again. Can we make some comparisons to the, to the Kraken and what they were able to do uh, defensively and elsewise uh, last year? I think that's a perfect team to make a comparison to, Greg, honestly, because you look at what the Kraken did last season. They had that historic turnaround. They had 100 points. They were one win away from the Western Conference Final. We can't forget that. They lost to Dallas in Game 7. And the big part of that Seattle team that I draw comparison to is their balanced attack up front. Now, when you look at the Jets right now, they have 15 players with a goal in their last 10 games. They've got several players right now that are going to hit double digits. And that's what Seattle did last year. Almost every forward they had had a career year in some way offensively. And they had that balanced attack up front. The one thing, though, that the Winnipeg Jets had that Seattle didn't is goaltending. If you go back and look at the Kraken's numbers last year, their goaltending was not great. It was shocking to see what they were doing considering they weren't getting the goaltending. The Jets have that. Another comparison, and I know you love talking about this, Greg, is the fact that Seattle had horrible special teams last year, but they still managed to find success Mm -hmm. in it. So I think there's a really strong comparison right there, but I do believe that the Winnipeg Jets are a stronger team because of what they have in number 37 in net. All right, well, we'll be able to expand upon our conversation because we get you two weeks in a row. I know you're in the schedule next week. Uh, You (laughs) mentioned just how important goaltending are two goaltenders have won the Conn Smythe trophy as most outstanding player in the playoffs that were on the losing team since 1987. Mm. Can you name, can you name at least one of them or can you name them both? Well, I know that one is J.S. Jaguar for the Anaheim Ducks, if I'm not mistaken. 2003. And the reason reason I know that is because I was upset because I thought that was a very distinctive honor that my cousin Ron Hextall had back in 1987 (laughs) against Gretzky's Oilers. And it's still one of the best Stanley Cup final out there. Thanks, Leah. We appreciate you immensely. We'll talk to you next week. Safe travels wherever you might be this week. And we look forward to catching up in seven days. Talk to you later. Thanks, boys.
Leah Hextall, ESPN commentator and analyst, joining us live for our weekly Wednesday Jets chat on 680 CJOB. More hockey on Jets at noon with Cam Poitras. But as we've been telling you this morning, the Independent Investigation Unit of Manitoba is overseeing another fatal officer-involved shooting in Winnipeg, the third officer-involved shooting in just over a month in our city. So that's prompting calls for, you know, renewed action and a renewed thought toward bringing in body-worn cameras to the Winnipeg police as a result of these shootings. So let's discuss that with City Councillor Marcus Chambers, who is also chair of the Winnipeg Police Board. Uh, Councillor Chambers, good morning. Thank you for your time. Good morning and Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. Absolutely appreciate that. Uh, there's lots of ways we could couch, frame, and start this discussion, but very simply, Councillor Chambers, why doesn't Winnipeg, why don't Winnipeg Police Service members wear cameras as we speak? Well, right now it's a situation of budget. Uh, we have a uh, city that is demanding police presence in all areas of the city, and we simply can't afford at this point in time to add on the cost of body-worn cameras, though we know that there are specific benefits to having body-worn cameras on, on the police service. What's that dollar amount? Well, the, the dollar amount uh, at last count was around $10 million to get it up and running, to get everybody uh, you know, body-worn cameras. But the real cost comes in the storage of the footage, uh, you know, because uh, you have to have terabytes and terabytes of data space uh, to allow for uh, the whatever video was shot by these body-worn cameras and dash cameras. We did uh, get a statement yesterday from the justice minister offering some thoughts on, you know, just pulling that statement back up here. But the justice minister saying our government's priority is to make sure that every Manitoban is safe and treated fairly by the justice system. Body worn cameras can be part of that equation to increase transparency, to protect everyone involved in police interactions. As they are implemented by police services across Manitoba, we are ready to help ensure that costs and processes associated with evidence disclosure and privacy are supported. So is, is that encouraging, at least, to hear that the, the province is uh, potentially on board with helping out with this? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm setting up meetings with the Justice Minister to talk about priorities, community safety priorities. And if uh, body-worn cameras could be part of that conversation and looking at partnerships to fund that, uh, I'm very encouraged by those statements. The two sides to this, to a certain extent, the Councillor Chambers, one, some people will say that, you know, the cameras are, are good, but they're not perfect. And on the other hand, there are questions, uh, people wonder, you know, uh, is the Winnipeg Police Union, Winnipeg Police Association, are they standing the way? Are, is the police service or the members themselves in favour of implementing this technology? Well, I think you'll get comments on both sides. There are officers that would value uh, a tool like this. It provides transparency and accountability. Uh, you'll find other officers say that it, it, it can be prohibitive in terms of doing their duties effectively, uh, knowing when to switch on the camera and switch off the camera, things like that. We'll have to develop policies around that. Uh, but essentially, you know, for myself, I feel that every interaction that uh, happens between a civilian and a police member can be scrutinized to improve training. So, there are certainly benefits uh, that we see that uh, body-worn cameras can have. The majority of police uh, um, organizations across the country, the RCMP included, 
are moving towards body ca- body worn cameras. So again, it's not a matter of if Winnipeg will adopt this technology; it's when Winnipeg will uh, adopt this technology, and and it, it, it's right now it's aligning with budget uh, budget requests. Our guest this morning is City Councilor Marcus Chambers, and yesterday, Councilor Richard and Julie on the news on CJOB yesterday afternoon, they spoke with sociology professor Christopher Schneider uh, from Brandon, who says that in terms of the way the decisions that are made before the cameras can be brought in, one way to help restore and maintain public trust is to include the public in the decision making. So, what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, and we've we've heard from uh, you know as the Winnipeg Police Board, we've heard from different groups, different organizations that have uh, advocated for body worn cameras t- uh, to be uh, deployed. Uh, we know that uh, at one point we did have money set aside to pilot this, uh, and maybe that uh, discussion again with the provincial government needs to happen so that we can at least start with a pilot project and see uh, determine efficacy and then look to rolling it out. Because at the end of the day, we have to uh, reverse engineer and look at what solution are we trying to find with body-worn cameras and will body-worn cameras uh, you know, defi- or provide a solution to the issue that we're trying to define. Uh, Councillor Chambers, do you sense that there's a lack of, of trust, a gap between uh, the trust uh, that, that most or majority of Winnipegers feel uh, that they may or may not have with, with, with the WPS? Uh, there may have been at one time, but I believe the pendulum is swinging, swinging the other way as we're seeing these violent acts happen in our city and throughout our province. People are wanting a more and more of a police presence. They're also wanting, uh, you know, accountability for resourcing programs and services, especially for young people that will help get them away from gangs and, and you know, keep them out of trouble. So it, it's not one single solution that will help uh, reduce the stigma of crime in our city. Uh, we're going to have to look at supporting our police services as well as supporting programs that help individuals, whether it's through mental health and addictions or whether it's programming for youth, as we're seeing a rise in youth, violent youth crime as well. That, that art program that was supposed to be in place or that it was initiated last year, I know there have been some challenges in terms of, of getting these civilian uh, individuals involved in these mental health calls. Is it a matter of not having trained individuals, to your knowledge, or is it a matter of, of budget? No, in this particular instance, it's a matter of finding individuals that meet the requirements to uh, ride along with police officers to address these calls. And I know that, uh, you know, through the University of Manitoba, through the School of Social Work, they're working on getting more people trained and getting them up to speed so they can be deployed with police officers to resource this valuable program that we have in our city. And just one final quick question here. These body cams, they wouldn't just be protecting citizens. They'd also be protecting the officers, wouldn't they? Absolutely. And, and again, that's the transparency that we're looking for, because there are allegations that are made uh, against police members from time to time. And body-worn cameras will bear out the truth and, and provide protection for police officers as well. City Councilor Marcus Chambers, Chair of the Winnipeg Police Board, thank you very much for the time as always, sir. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. 914. Mackling McGarry. McNabb is off today. You can take our question of the day at cjob.com. For Mr. Furnace, don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Should Winnipeg police be required to wear body cameras? 79% so far say yes. 21% say no.
It's Mackling and McGarry McNabb's off today. We've got tickets for the Winnipeg Renovation Show, and we're asking you, what's the thing that you didn't know was a thing? Whether it's an activity, and that actually ties in with our winner today, or a food thing, or terminology, like Greg mentioned one of his boys called the, said the Jets are a wagon right now. The Winnipeg Jets are a wagon. And I have never heard that, not until this morning. <laughs> and uh, apparently it's a term that's been around for a few years. It means the team's rolling. They're rolling. I guess it's just because the Jets really haven't been rolling like this for a, for a long time, that, although they did have a good start to, to last season. But we digress. Uh, Connie uh, sent this in. I got transferred to Regina, took a client out for lunch. They ordered Vico with their meal. I had no idea But that is what people in Saskatchewan call chocolate milk. They refer to it simply by the brand. So it's a brand I've never heard of. Right. Maybe it exists somewhere in a grocery store in Winnipeg. I don't know. I've never seen it. Uh, I'm not going to say it doesn't exist, but I've not seen it in Manitoba. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a a totally a Saskatchewan thing, like the bunny hug. Yeah, they they, they have some strange strange behaviors over in Saskatchewan, I guess. But hey... There are friends. We like to take shots at Saskatchewan, but it's all in good fun. Always. Um, some of our favorite people. Gabby Marchand's from Saskatchewan. My Bob gosh. Irving is from Saskatchewan. Yes, of course. Kenny Shields was born in Saskatchewan. I could go on and on uh, and lament the fact that so many of my favorite people <laughs> are actually born in Saskatchewan. We love you, Regina. We love you, Saskatoon, Weyburn. All places in between, north, east, southwest. We were also talking about taking your dog for a walk in the snow and the, the challenge that can be faced to make sure their their paws don't get frozen. And Kim says you need some musher's secret. So it's like a balm, I guess. Who told you to put the balm on? Did I tell you to put the balm on? <laughs> you need some musher's secret for the paws to keep the ice and snowballs from building up between the paws. I use that on my dog's paws and we go out kick sledding. And Kim says, just watch as it may stain upholstery, so wipe it off when you come inside. But our winner today, Greg, is John. And the whole thing that kicked this off was yesterday we learned about something called ski-joring, which is the act of being pulled either by a dog or a horse while you're on skis. And there's a there's a snow motion, a Winnipeg dog winter sports club that does ski-joring. But John in Gimli weighed in with this. Yeah, and John says, I've been ski-joring with my lab for Six years. Didn't know this existed in Manitoba. I'm Norwegian and love skiing, so it came natural, and my lab loves it. We probably go 30-plus kilometers per hour at times. Wow. (laughs) So, John, you win. You win the tickets for the Winnipeg Renovation Show, which is happening next weekend at RBC Convention Center. Right now, we want to continue the discussion on the gas tax holiday. And our next guest is going to help us continue that because, you know, as we've been discussing through the morning, there are a lot of mixed feelings about the whole thing. And yesterday on X slash Twitter, Twitterks, whatever you want to call it, uh, our guest had all kinds of really thought-provoking feedback on what we should or could be doing instead. Said guest is a columnist on Urban Issues. He's an architect with number 10 Architectural Group. Let's say hello to our good friend Brent Bellamy. Brent, good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Ah, we appreciate it. Uh, is it oversimplification to suggest you're not a fan of the gas tax holiday? <laughs> no, I would say that's pretty much uh, bang on. I am definitely not. So why? Why do you, do you think this is a, a mistake in policy by the, the, the new provincial government? You know, uh, if the goal of the initiative is to help with cost of living, I, I really feel like we should want to get the most money 
to the people who need it most. And this plan is really designed to give the most money to the people who drive the largest vehicles and the longest distances. And those aren't necessarily the same two people. They likely aren't, actually. We, we don't often think about the cost of a tax cut to the government, but, you know, they're losing $160 million in six months of revenue, $320 million for the full year. So if you look at that amount of money, cutting the gas tax for six months will cost the government the same amount of money as providing free public transit for two full years. And that's in every city in Manitoba that has transit. That's Winnipeg, Brandon, Selkirk, Thompson, Flin Flon. If they extend this for the full year, which they likely will, they have everywhere else, that's giving free public transit for four full years. So think about how impactful that would be to somebody who really needs that money. If you're driving a a car that has sort of average gas mileage, um, if you drive that vehicle a thousand kilometers this month, you're going to save $13. A family that relies on public transit could save the cost of a monthly bus pass, which is a hundred dollars. So every single person in that family that's using transit is saving a hundred dollars a month. That could really be an impactful thing for families that need it most. And so I, I really think we need to look at how this money is invested and are there better ways to get it to, to the people that need it most? Well, and on the subject of getting, uh, not just helping with the, the cost of living for those who uh, would be able to save that money taking the bus, but uh, is it a good thing to get more people, just in general, just is it is it a good thing to get more people taking the bus, not just in Winnipeg, but other Manitoban communities that you've listed? Yeah, of course, there's all kinds of reasons that, that um, incentivizing public transit use is a good thing, you know, climate change, wear and tear on our roads, even the basic issue of traffic, reducing traffic, getting more people on the bus is a good thing. Uh, affordability. We talk about affordability all the time. Owning a car, CAA says owning a car costs about $10,000 a year. If you can reduce those costs, you're helping people uh, with cost of living. And, you know, that's another brings up another issue, actually. We could, about a year worth of this gas tax cut could actually pay for the downtown phase of the rapid transit system for Winnipeg. That's that's making a generational investment in your city. That's changing the city for our children and our children's children. Instead of giving $13 a month for a few months, we're making investments in a city to change how we move around that city for the next generations. Like if we think bigger picture than sort of this nice to have um, gas tax cut for a few months, we could be making major changes to our city for the next generations for that same amount of money. It's quite staggering to sort of step back and think about it that way. Yeah, well, some of our listeners are pointing out, just hold the phone here, that, you know, a good percentage of Manitoba's population does live outside the Winnipeg, outside of the city of Winnipeg. And so those people do drive further distances. And, and so the, the genuine impact on people who don't live in the city of Winnipeg could be more than, you know, the math that we might be calculating for somebody that lives inside the perimeter. Is that fair assessment, a fair, a fair counter narrative? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree that issues that are, are solving issues in the city are different than solving issues for, for rural Manitobans. Maybe it's a, a more nuanced strategy than just simply the gas tax. Maybe there's different strategies for, for outside of Winnipeg and inside of Winnipeg. But honestly, even just taking that $160 million and sending us checks for that money would give everybody, every adult in Manitoba, $160 for the six months. So that's more than the $13 every month, even if it was just the cash. 
But, you know, I personally think we should be investing it in things that are transformational for the future. And if that is, you know, a new rapid transit system in Winnipeg and something else that helps people in the in rural areas, I think the plan could be much more nuanced than simply giving a gas tax. I know that's politically popular because we, we you know, the cost of gasoline is on giant signs as we drive down the street. It's in our face all the time. It's really only the, about 15% of the cost of owning a vehicle, 15 to 20%. Um, so it's not the biggest part of owning a vehicle, buying gasoline, but it's something that's really in our minds all the time. So I understand why it's politically popular, but it, it doesn't really target the biggest needs, in my opinion. Brent Bellamy is our guest. He's an architect with Number 10 Architectural Group. He is a columnist. And we've all said people who work in the transportation industry or who work as, as delivery drivers or couriers. And so what would you say to someone like that who says, this is going to save me a lot of money? I agree. I mean, there, it's going to save people money. There's no argument that it's going to, this is going to save people money. It's, is it the best way to save people money? And is that the goal? Is it the goal to help families buy groceries or is it to help businesses? Like that's sort of the, the discussion we need to have. The, the delivery driver is working for a business. It's not really helping him put meals or food on his, on his table. So what is the goal of this? And, and can there be a, a plan designed with a, a little more nuance that helps achieve that goal. I don't know if it is necessarily, it wasn't sold to us in the, in the press releases as helping the delivery drivers. It was more helping Manitobans put food on their plates or, you know, help with cost of living of average Manitobans. And, you know, I don't know that this plan is really achieving that in the best way possible. I like this conversation for as much as anything. Uh, it, it brings a healthy conversation discussion about uh, what a, a prosperous, what a, you know, Manitoba and Winnipeg looks like in the future. And you and I agree wholeheartedly that, that transit has to become a bigger part of the landscape in our community. You're comparing in your latest column in the free press, comparing bus rapid transit to, to light rail. Which one is better for Winnipeg in your view, Brent? I mean, I've long been a proponent of light rail. I totally understand why there's resistance to it. It's, it's very expensive, but every single large city in, in Canada is building light rail. We're going to be the only one out of the top 10. That includes Kitchener-Waterloo that doesn't have light rail as part of as the backbone of their transit system. And we're transforming our, our transit system over the next year to be sort of a high-frequency system that's going to have feeder lines running down the major streets like Portage Avenue, Main Street, Pemina Highway, that would, it's going to be perfect for light rail. So to me, it, it's a, it, it has much um, bigger impact to, to go light rail, to think big. Every other city in the country is. Those are the cities we're competing with for jobs and investment and tourism and immigration. We're falling behind. But if we do decide to go with bus rapid transit, we're doing that because it's much cheaper so then why are all the cities in this country building really expensive LRT and we still have our bus rapid transit as a 25-year plan? If it's going to be cheaper, then let's do it now. It doesn't make sense to me that we're, having, we're choosing the cheaper one and still keeping it a generation away. If it's the cheaper one, great, then let's do it. Let's do it now. Get on it because every other city in the country is doing it and they're choosing a better system and still getting it done. Could it? Could we even possibly make that switch now? Like, just do the about face and say no, or let's 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 switch gears. Let's do light rail. The plan is always to design the system. Even the first phase that's that's already completed is to design the system to switch to LRT in the future, if possible. That clearly never happens because the investment that would that would 
that would require likely would never happen. You have to do it at the beginning, but it's being designed so it could be switched. And that's an indication that the system is better. Why, no one would ever design an LRT system to be switched to buses. It, it shows that the LRT system is better and that we can, it is being designed to be um, transformed in the, in the future. But to me, we need to just stand up for once in Winnipeg and do the best thing possible instead of the cheapest thing. If we were both having a beer right now, I might uh, challenge you on that with regards to what's happening in Ottawa right now as they <laughs> struggle to transform and, and you know, make their BRT, LRT. And I bet you there's lots of people in Ottawa right now who would say, uh, rip up those rail lines and put the BRT back. <laughs> They are not helping my argument. I definitely agree with There's hundreds of LRT systems in, about of 100 course. LRT systems in North America. So I, I do point to the other 99. Yeah, you, you, that, and, that's, and that's a fair comment by you. Uh, when, we, when we look at this, we, we, we have to run, but when we look at this and the, this, what seems to be a, a total lack of commitment, even though it's presented as a commitment at time, like just this new, you know, this new uh, transit plan, this transit master plan. It's like, you just keep pushing it, pushing it back, pushing it back. And and, and you sound hopeful that, that it's going to happen in the next year. I, I wish I could, I wish I could uh, have the same enthusiasm or optimism as you have. Well, it was supposed to be done three years ago. So my optimism is only that it's five years late. So if you put it in that perspective, it makes more sense. Brent Bellamy, thank you as always for your time. We really appreciate chatting with you. Have a great day, guys. Thanks a lot. Brent Bellamy is a columnist on urban issues. As mentioned, his latest column, column in the Free Press talks about bus rapid transit versus light rail. He is an architect with Number 10 Architectural Group, and he's a great follow on X on social media.